Why, hello there. If you're hearing this, it means that you're watching or listening to the public feed of Garage Monologues, and thank you so much for doing so. Hope you're enjoying it. There are a lot more people listening to this every week. It's kind of crazy, actually, to see the numbers go up. And I will confess, I am almost a week behind on posting this, despite the fact that I recorded it five months ago with my friend Jess. We're going to talk a lot about becoming French. She's amazing. Her experience, she's been here for a long time. She's been in tourism. She's Australian. She's lovely. Uh, I, I'm just really overwhelmed right now with work. Um, just a quick update. I'm going to talk a lot more about this in the new episode, which will come out tomorrow on Patreon. And if you're not a patron, you can go over and become a patron at patreon.com slash jswanson to get in on the members-only feed where you hear these basically the day that we record them or only a couple days after you hear them right away. But I'll be talking about all the app development we've been doing, how we're almost to launching the beta. We're going to be doing a closed beta, reaching out to see if we can find some people to participate, just a small group to start. And then hopefully in the next few weeks or a couple months at most, we'll be ready to do an open beta and you'll be able to see the app that we've been working on so you can travel to Paris and have a better time and have a better time with my guide because, you know, from a PDF to an app, hopefully will be a good step in the right direction. Anyways, I uh, I haven't been getting much sleep and I've been working really hard. And uh, so I'm behind on everything, including posting my own podcast. So forgive me for that and forgive me for this very long intro. But with no further ado, here is my great friend, Jess Jekyll, talking about the delightful nature of becoming French. Because this is the road to citizenship, after all, right? And we're, well, that's next season. You're, spoilers. Uh, yeah, that should work. I was in it just a little bit. Do you think the background's okay? Yeah, it's great. You're a great decorator. Oh, buddy. There we go. No, Podcast. let's mm. calm down. Mm. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> got the hair. For those of you that don't know, for those of you that don't know, this is Jess, my guest today, a longtime friend. Worked with me a little bit is uh, the manager of Fat Tire here in town, keeps the bikes on the road, and just generally a wonderful person who recently got her French citizenship. Congratulations. I am French. <laughs> have you, how long till you get your passport? Oh, great question. I haven't applied for it yet. I mm. thought I had to wait for like an official letter. But you can just go for it? But apparently you can just walk in, fill yeah. in a form. Yeah. Takes a couple of weeks. Oh, I would do that. So That's I know, I know. Really I keep thinking about. I know it doesn't feel real yet, even though I've. You get your name published in. Oops. You get your name published in the official journal. You mm -hmm. know, like New Citizens, which is pretty exciting. Although it's online, I would like a piece of paper. I don't know why, but there's yeah. something about the. Even though it's the official spot, I would like a piece of paper that says Bienvenue. Can you explain to people how you find out that you become French? Yeah, it's complicated. Because yeah. um, uh, Jess is Australian by birth. Yes. And now French by naturalization. Cooper, you need to stop, buddy. It's my fault. I'm putting my hands yeah, in his mouth. Yeah, stop doing that. Um, yeah, this is my third citizenship, actually, because I also have British citizenship. Triple citizenship. Yes, I'm going to become a spy. International it's my next woman job. of yeah. mystery, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I have British citizenship through my mom, and that's how I could live in Paris for so long. Yeah. And then, obviously, with Brexit, um, I lost my European rights with that. So that's why it was important for me to become French. So you've, I found out in a particularly interesting way actually because well it's not super interesting but I had no idea I hadn't heard anything and I was expecting to wait longer actually yeah. and then I got an email saying thank you for joining the electoral roll and I was like wait I didn't apply 
to be on the electoral roll. Why am I getting this email? And then I was frantically messaging my French friends like, does this mean I'm French? Does this mean I'm French? Surely I have to be French if I'm on the roll. And they're like, well, have you heard anything? And I said, no, I don't, I don't know anything. And they're like, I think you can be a foreigner and still vote in some elections. So maybe that's not it. It's not true. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you cannot vote in some elections, even if you're a resident here. No, I think they thought maybe the mayoral one or something. Mm -mm. Anyway, no, that's not true. Yeah. So I'm Googling all these things. Then I'm going, okay, well, I must be, my name must be in the Journal Officiel. But if you don't know, this is something that's published daily. And the it's nightmare. 200 pages or whatever. And I just didn't really know exactly where to look. So I had, I looked for about 45 minutes the morning that I got that thinking, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then everyone was being a bit like, don't get too excited. So I just stopped looking and went about my day. Yeah. Anyway, later on I thought, no, no, come on, I have to find this. And I did find a little bit of a shortcut way where you could just look up new citizens. Mm -hmm. And there was my name in like amongst 200 other names. And yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty exciting. It's very exciting. I was there having lunch with you the day that you yeah, got that email being exactly. like, why would they? Ask me to be on the electoral rolls if I'm not a citizen. I was like, because you're a citizen. Like, you have to be. There's no other reason they would do this. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. We had lunch and that morning I'd been thinking maybe. But then I just was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'll just go have lunch. And I don't I know. I was yeah. controlling myself. And then, yeah, pretty exciting. But I do feel like the passport yeah, that's when I think it'll, that's what Matt says. He says it, it didn't really feel real until he was holding the French passport. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, oh my gosh, this is real. So here's a question for you, too. And this is a question for those of you watching and listening as well. Like, I think I want to do a series um, that I'm calling The Road to Citizenship, mm -hmm. where I road trip around the country and learn what it means to be French. But also part of that would be talking to people who became French, why they did, how they did, whatever. Um, this, I think this is fascinating. It's always interesting because there's elements of it that are always going to be the same between people, but the stories will be yeah. very different. Yeah. So as a trial run for that, why... I mean, just very, very, now you have it. You can, you don't have to bull, you don't have to bullshit anymore. You don't have to tell us how much you love France and that's why you became French. Whatever your reasons are, it could be that, but like what, like obviously Brexit complicates your life here, but what mm -hmm. are the, why become French? And what does it mean to you to become French? Yeah, it's a really, it's a good question. So I could stay here without French citizenship. Mm -hmm. So I, because I've lived here for so long, I do have like a permanent residency. So I didn't need French citizenship to live and work in France. Mm -hmm. But with the carte de séjour that I have, I, if I leave the country for more than two years, mm -hmm. it voids everything. Yep. And I've worked here for long enough where I would have particular rights. When I'm older, I can claim the pension and things like that yep. if I were French. Whereas if I leave the country, I'll just lose everything yep. that I've kind of built here. So that was a really big reason for me to become French. Also, I didn't like having the option to live elsewhere in Europe taken away from me. Yeah. So if you have a carte de séjour for France, it doesn't mean that you can work in Spain or live in Italy or things like that, which before obviously being part of the European Union with the British passport, I could do. Yeah. So even though I don't have plans to move anywhere else right now, I still like that option. I also like the option you know, if I was remote working or things like that to be able to move around. Yeah. So for those kinds of reasons, I really wanted it. I really wanted to be able to do that. Um, and then I think it is, it is like achievement unlocked, you know, yeah. of building a life somewhere. And I don't, I wouldn't say I feel French at all, to be honest, um, which I'm sure is not going to be what a lot of people you talk to say. I feel like I belong in Paris and I mm -hmm. love living here and I love the city. 
I do not feel like a French person at all. But I don't feel British at all either. And I have British citizenship for there. And I would never describe myself, even though my mum's Scottish, I would never describe myself as half Australian, half Scottish. Yeah. You know? Um, and I, I think I'm French for admin purposes only. If that's okay, or like culturally in a, in a, you know, I love the culture of France and I feel like I connect with the lifestyle Mm -hmm. here, but I don't necessarily, and I think that counts for a lot and maybe we don't talk about that enough. Um, So I think connecting with the culture and the idea of being European for sure, I don't feel like I am a French person, but I don't think that should discount from if you're contributing to the life here, if you like the, I mean... We all know the world is made up of all kinds of, I guess, different. you know, you, you have different nationalities that can claim a certain um, ownership over yeah. that more than... Do you feel like part of it is, this is a question that I definitely want to pursue more of, but do you feel like part of that's also because in the digital world that we live in, national borders and identities matter less than they used to? Yeah. Like all the time, like everybody's using the same services you know, money travels so much more easily yeah. than people, unfortunately, but like people can also cross borders really easily. Yeah. I'm still surprised when like, I'm trying to buy something on Amazon and it's like, wait, you can't do this. I'm like, wait, am I logged into my American Amazon account? Yeah. Or my sh-? Like, yeah. that's crazy. The Why entire point universal? of digital yeah. is it should be universal. So yes, I definitely think so. And I feel so badly for people, like the process was relatively easy for me. It's still a pain in the ass because all admin is, yeah. but I feel so bad for people who are really trying to like, be with loved ones or be yeah. somewhere else. And I think you and I were talking about it where I was saying, you should just be able to swap with someone. Like, yeah. you know, if an Australian wants to be um, French and a French person wants to be, can we just link up and swap? Um, Sounds nice. It just seems like it should work that way. But obviously that doesn't work so much if you're from a place where no one maybe wants to swap. Well, this is mildly political, but I remember, um, it, I never thought about this before, but there was an economist that made the argument that the once the whole idea of passports and like border crossings and so forth were enacted, especially in the United States, like the US particularly stopped actually being capitalist and started being nationalist yeah. because you need capital and people to be able to flow over borders easily. Um, and how much we've actually, as as Americans, how much we've harmed ourselves because he his argument was that we would be a nation of over a billion people yeah. if we'd left the borders open and let people come in and add to it. And like the amount of wealth we would have generated that That's way so interesting. would have been you know, astronomical compared to where we are. And it's just, it's interesting. Like, obviously it depends how people have different perspectives on how freely we should be able to move. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. It is, it is. And maybe this is just also where we live. We live in a very international city. Mm-hmm. All of our friends are super international. Um, everybody speaks multiple languages, blah, blah, blah. So maybe we're just a very particular niche. So that's obviously something to acknowledge. But yeah, I don't also know. Also incredibly privileged, like this, process made me realize how privileged I am. I know a story of another person who has basically lived here their entire life and had real trouble getting there. They have children here and are married to a French woman and still had a lot of trouble getting their citizenship because of the country they're from, which is crazy. It's a real thing. And then I even forget, like, it's embarrassing how much, how easy it is to forget. You know, I have friends who are say like Turkish and they're like, oh no, I can't just go there. I have to, I'm going to have to apply in advance for a visa. You know, when I was dating a Peruvian guy who I was like, let's pop to London. He's like, no, I can't just pop to London. It doesn't work like that for me. And you're like, oh, 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's so, and you just, you don't think of it as much. And here we all are, you know, here I am griping about, oh no, Brexit. That's so inconvenient for me when I just waltzed in and grabbed my carte de sejour immediately. You know, yeah. I uploaded three documents online and it was like, oh yeah, you can essentially stay in France permanently. So yeah, I do feel immensely, immensely privileged. And it makes me, it's, it, it's very confusing to me. Um, you know, even the concept of a certain person going to a particular country is paying one price for a visa and someone yeah. else is paying another price, yeah. even if you're both allowed in. It seems so strange. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, th- I realize I kind of sound almost naive when I'm saying this, but yeah, I just, and that's why people who can do it, I mean, this is why, you know, I've really encouraged you and I know you're going to, but it's just, and I know plenty of other people where I'm like, you're eligible, come on, like, yeah. go and get these things because there's people who are, are desperate to, yeah. you know, and... I feel that way. I think when I, I think, well, there's endless, endless opportunities to realize just how privileged you are. But like when I lived in West Africa, I think I was the eye opener for like education for one. Obviously, freedom of movement was a huge one because same thing, like anybody that even when our ship pulled into European ports, we had to work out special negotiations for everybody's visas that weren't like uh, didn't have Schengen visas automatically or Schengen visas. Um, And it became very, very complicated. And so freedom of movement was one, but another was just education. I was like, you know, my high school education is something that I not only took for granted, but complained about, Yeah. you know, and we make fun of, and we're like, oh, like the American education system is such garbage. I was lucky to go to a high school that was actually very good, but um, but just multiple steps along the way of realizing that and then being like, I have to go back. There's, there's a tendency to, I think I went through a period of feeling really guilty for that and then i've realized no it's not my it's not also not my fault that i was born into that however it was really really motivating not to let it go to waste yeah and i think especially entering into this period right now it's it's actually echoing this period of my own life right now where i'm coming back to life in so many ways where i'm like i i i am so lucky to have what i have yeah i have it so good i've worked very hard for it and it's not been easy but like i need to just shake it off and dive in and i'm Genuinely so, so excited. I just wondered, have we actually started the recording of the video? Yeah, okay, it's recording. <laughs> I was like, it's a new camera, so I just wasn't sure. I'm gonna zoom it in a little bit more. There we go. Zoom in on my Yeah, koala. Cooper calmed right down as soon as he stopped feeding him fingers. Uh, there you go, buddy. Yeah, you can snuggle with Jess. Aww. Um, yeah, I feel, I mean. But you, just to say that like, I think that there's an, well, it's complicated and there are a lot of emotions and it is kind of, I think you're right to bring up the naivete of like, cause that's, I think that's the, the friction that comes with privilege that I think is annoying to anybody who doesn't share that privilege is if you are privileged and naive about it, mm-hmm. that's like the painful part. Like if you have somebody who you meet, who's very aware of where they're at in life and they are gracious with that, that's very different than somebody who just waltzes through complaining about something that they know nothing about. Yeah. But you also can't avoid that because you you only are so, so you can only be so self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. But also, I think part of being self-aware is knowing, yes, you can know how privileged you are. I mean, I'm sort of moving away a little bit from the nationality thing here, but talking, speaking of education or speaking of mm-hmm. things that you've worked hard to do, you can be really appreciative of that and then also sometimes be a bit like... I'm not so sure, a bit, lacking a bit in self-confidence or, yeah, or what am I going to do next or is this the right thing? And, and if you spend all your time beating yourself up about like, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be complaining, I shouldn't be worrying, I yeah. should just be grateful. Also not helpful. I'm not sure if that is. It's not good. Well, all, all, of, all problems are relative, right? So if your problems are real, 
whatever you, whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with is is real. It's your problem. Like yeah. somebody, you know, on the other side of the planet who doesn't have the resources to deal with it the way you do. Sure, they have a harder time, but like that doesn't help you and yeah. it doesn't change the fact that you have to get through it. But hopefully zooming out and gaining a bit of perspective like that does help to lift a little bit of the burden of it mm-hmm. and help you to realize like oh yeah i'm very small my problems are very small this isn't a big deal like moving on but also yeah having to making sure to acknowledge so like with with like yeah even even though you have an easier time getting your citizenship than somebody else like you also don't want to minimize the fact that you've been here for a decade you know you've worked really hard you've maintained a job and a visa and well, the visa, paid I guess you didn't taxes. have to, but you paid all your taxes. A lot of them. You stayed out of jail. <laughs> I um, did. You did all the things that, you know, he didn't get caught. <laughs> um, you, whatever, you know, like it's, it still is a big accomplishment. Yeah. And you don't want to also, you don't want to rob yourself of that, but it is good to also take a step back, especially, I guess, in the presence of other people who are struggling more with it. Um, so just be aware that it is a, it is a big struggle and maybe for them, there is a deeper need for that. Like if they come from a country that they do not want to go back to for very legitimate reasons, the threat, that's a huge stressor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually one of the things I finally watched Ted Lasso. Um, Oh yeah, me too. I just watched it recently as well. I know it was a real pick me up for me actually. (laughs) So good. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Might've cried a little bit. I needed it. Um, but that whole, like his, have you watched both seasons? Yes. Okay. Not to, I won't spoil anything, but he explains, in the second season, he finally gets into explaining where his worldview comes from. Yeah. And how he recognizes that everyone's life is hard and you never know what's going on. Yes. And I think that's more the, I think that's more the key where you, you can't know everything and you can't be aware of everyone's struggles. And you're, we also have to have grace for each other when somebody is annoying or offensive in a way that they just are unaware. Mm-hmm. But like if we can go into life reminding yourself, hey, life is hard, mm-hmm. genuinely hard for everyone. It's hard in different ways and in different scales and everything, but like life is hard. It's such a good, I think we, we hear that, but for me, it's really stuck with me. Like it's such a good reminder when dealing with anybody, I don't know what you're going through. So let me approach this with a sensitivity that, that you just naturally deserve. Hopefully everything's going well. Yeah. Maybe not. So how do I, how do I make your day better? Yeah. And I, I and also having that compassion, I really feel like having compassion for people of like perhaps this is coming from somewhere else and is not something to do with me because yeah. we have a bit of a tendency to think it's, yes, it's all about to us. do with us and yeah. like oh that person cancelled on me or this happened or that happened to me definitely as I've gotten older I do not care about any of that you yeah. know um, if you've got something else on if you need to concentrate on something or if you need me for a particular thing uh, I'm totally yep no problem we'll sort it out like yeah. I never take offence to any of that and that it comes from kind of trying to be compassionate yeah. and not most stuff that people have going on is about them and yeah. not about 100 <laughs> it's also about like you know i guess letting go a bit of the ego i suppose i'm obsessed with ego but yeah, <laughs> well i have a big one so <laughs> um no but i think yeah being just think part of it is thinking things just aren't about and about us and and having compassion towards other people yeah. and you just it makes your life better it Way makes better. my life so much yeah. better if i'm not worrying if someone has a problem with me or i can just very honestly go and ask them about it if i need to or otherwise just move on i can't remember how we got onto this track well i think that it's well it goes back to being compassionate for people who are going 
through. Oh, yes. And it's, it's privilege and it's all that. But I think that just to tie into that, I mean, like today, I, I, this is also a watermark for me on how much I've grown. I feel like where part of it is recognizing it's not about me and also it's not anything to carry with you. Like today I put my camera, I started vlogging again today, which is really exciting. And I'm, I'm just so excited for, I don't know, I'm just excited to be where I'm at in so many ways, um, which we can talk about. But I put my camera on this Mercedes and I heard this, <laughs> and the guy was sitting, I didn't check, and the guy was sitting in there and he was like, what the heck, you know? And in my mind, of course, I was like, I, I tried to explain to him, there are little rubber booties on the tripod, you know, to keep, it's not, there's not no harm that's going to come to the car, but there's no point. He's in there, he's mad, like, it's whatever, okay, I'll move on. He's like, oh, you know, whatever. And so I, I carry on. And in the past, I would have, like, five years ago, I probably would have burned with shame for that. Like, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm so embarrassed, and he, I made him angry, and like, I'm so, you know, whatever. And now it's like, yeah, whatever, like moving on. And I just kind of, I ticked with that because vlogging puts me in a lot of situations yes. where I end up annoying people unintentionally. Yeah. I'm usually very good about it. I don't get yelled at very often anymore, but it still happens occasionally. I try to be very conscientious. But the thing is when I, when I fail to be effectively conscientious, when I fail to take other people into consideration in a way that I retrospectively wish I had, I can just acknowledge that, apologize to the person if, if I need to apologize. And then move on. Yeah. And so much of that has to do with like the fact that he's upset is more, has, says more about him than me. Like, and who knows what he's going, maybe he's on a really difficult phone call. Yeah. Who knows what's going on in that guy's life? Fair enough. That's, you know, that it's not, it's not up to me. If you have a server at a restaurant who's like curt or like somebody's just miserable to you on the street, whatever, it's just like, I'd rather just assume that they're having a really miserable time and move on because the reality is no, it is not about you. He never even knew I existed until a few minutes before that. Um, and it is somewhat about my behavior. He doesn't appreciate it. So fair enough. Yeah. So just move well, on. Well, so I think that it, that is something that takes getting a little bit of getting used to in France as well where yeah, people the, are the quite quick to express yeah. their opinion. Yeah. They're not afraid to not be polite. But they are afraid to back it up, thankfully. Yeah. So I'm... I find it, I've, I've found that hard to get used to living here, but I, there's a part of me that appreciates in a way. They're very, very honest yeah. in a way, the French, even though sometimes it can. It's over the top. I think that, I think it's a combination. It's like, I, would, I wish they were more Dutch <laughs> because the Dutch have like a, an emotional health where they're like, they will tell you that was not okay. Please don't do that again. And be like, okay. And that's it. And they move on. Yeah. The French in Paris in particular, the Parisians, a lot of them are just looking for a fight because their day sucks and they want to shout at somebody. And they half the time are completely unjustified. And that's the difference. Like you'll see, I've seen this. If you're ever in Paris, just watch out for any of these circumstances. You'll see a car at a red light goes green. He goes to pull out, but some guy has walked in front of the car at that point. I've seen this happen multiple times. The car, the car gives a little honk honk to be like, Hey man, not cool. And the guy just stops. And it's like, what? And then blocks the car because he cannot admit that he was jaywalking. And so then he starts yelling. Then this guy starts yelling. And then usually that's kind of as far as it goes. But occasionally it turns into like a fist fight. And you're like, you guys are, why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Like neither of you really had to do that. But the car was in the right. You were in the wrong. Just move on. Just be like, oh, sorry. And move on. That's all you have to do. So on that side, it's definitely too much. But I will say that the one, the benefit to living in these circumstances, as stressful as it can be, is that it's taught me to like stand up for myself. Yeah. And so if somebody does that to me and I'm in the right, I will, I will still say if I'm in the wrong, I will be the guy who says, oh yeah, I'm sorry. And I'll move on. But if I'm in the right, it's taught me to stand up to that and to engage with confrontation and not be worried about it. That's such a good point. I think about it's riding my bike around Paris has taught me to like very quickly 
shout a little in French, yes. like quite aggressively. And I always feel good when I do it. It's a, it's a great feeling. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> I will say though, do not flip anybody off. That's the, that's, because in France, they, they, they do not take that well. So I've they, actually never done that. Yeah, don't do it. I've, I, because when I was on my bike in particular, there, anytime somebody almost kills me, yeah. I'm like, I'll do it. I used to, I don't do it anymore because the problem is, it does one of two things. It can be very satisfying where you see like in the mirror, you see them see and then they look, they look crushed. That's exactly what you're really looking for because yeah. like I almost died. But what you're, not, what you're not looking for, and it's happened to me multiple times, is they will find you. Like, they'll track you down just to yell at you. Like, they won't do anything about it. That's what I mean. They, they, they cannot... I'm sure there are some of them that can, but for the most part, they, it's not that they're there to back it up. They're just... Their pride is hurt, and now they have to yell at you. And it's yeah. like, you were in the wrong. You cut me off on my lane. You almost killed me. I expressed that to you, and now you're going to track me down, yeah. like, five minutes later, and yell at me? You have to say your piece. And that... It's like... It's like the, the negative... You don't have to say your piece when you were in the wrong, though. That's my point. You don't have a piece to say. You don't have a piece to say. But I'm saying culturally, I think the French are like that. And I think that Mm. it can, it has a good side as well. You know, I mean, you think about how often they will have really big, important discussions where people aren't getting offended. Like there's so many talking head programs on TV or I, I I think about this a lot in France because I do feel like the things that we are frustrated by often have a payoff on the other side mm. so like oh it's so hard to get things done and mm. the bank's closed for three hours and you can't do this but the flip side of that is they are looking after your work-life balance they do say stop for an hour for lunch mm. they do say don't i mean it's a bit different for all of us because we're not working for french companies so we're not you know but they do say don't answer emails outside of hours so they're putting those things that make it frustrating for us to try to get things done they're put in place or, you know, just sometimes you can't get things because it's not convenient for everybody to get that. And rather than someone working around the clock to make sure that you have your exact thing when you want yeah. it, the French are like, no, it's not appropriate for us to do that in the middle of the night. 100%. Um, so it sort of balances out. And I kind of think about that with you You always know where you stand mm. with the French as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes... Do you though? I Depends. sort of feel like... This goes back to the Dutch for me. You yeah. do with the Dutch, but with the French, they will talk behind your back. Yeah, I guess. Won't they a little bit? Or maybe I'm wrong about that. Like I don't... Mm, I, I get frustrated that they don't warm to me as much as I would like them mm, to. Like, yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, French companies that I have to deal with in my work or, like, you know, yeah. The Guardian and things like that where you're, like, expecting a more warm relationship because yeah. where we're from... Eases it things yeah. a bit if you if everybody knows that a warm relationship helps things along. Yeah. That's not necessarily the default here. No. Um, so I feel like I don't know. I, I kind of know, okay, this is a little bit more of a business transaction and I just have to be mm-hmm. a little bit different. But I always try to like charm them or get them to warm up and it it doesn't it rarely works. Yeah. I don't think it's kind of good for me to accept that. <laughs> It is good. I mean, I've, that's, I've also learned a lot about that too because like you can't charm your way through everything here yeah. and like you have to start with respect. Cooper has changed things in that front because he charms his way through a lot of stuff. Uh, yes. Um, I went to a very bougie restaurant with Ashley a couple days ago where like all the, you know, it's fashion week. So like Leonardo DiCaprio was like a table over from us. Well, when I sat down in the lobby, that level of bouge, right? And the restaurant itself is famous or infamous for the staff being like just rock hard and and absolutely just cold we'll say uh and cooper cracked them all like and ashley we sat down and she was just like ashley's my friend who's a stylist a a celebrity stylist and uh she was just looking at me like i've never seen these women smile before yeah let alone like 
you know, so anyways, so that's a big change. And he's really changed my life in that way where in my mind, I guess with the French too, like they, it's not that they don't want to warm up. They just don't know how mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So like small talk is a good example. The French do not know how to do small talk. You stand in line for something, you're at the park, whatever the average French person doesn't know how to do it. But a lot of them would really like to. And yeah. I've discovered that through having a dog that it's the perfect icebreaker. You're so good at small talk, by the way, with French people. I, I made it a goal to crack the code. You here, really? So. Like, I, I, to the, I forget because I've sort of given up a little bit. And then when we hang out and you will do like that, you make like the little comments or the little jokes or whatever. And you can see everyone being a bit disarmed. Like, <laughs> wait. Um, and it's fun to watch when people crack yeah. a little. That's why I never stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My goal, I remember, I don't know when I first told you this, but like two years ago or sometime I made it my actual goal to like make French servers laugh. Yeah. And like get it above a 50-50 because like it was definitely like, it, it's really hard to do yeah. when they're working. But it's the same kind of thing. It is like, I, I, I guess that's for me, like in, as I become French, um, like there are a lot of elements of living here that have rubbed off on me and I want to take the best of what yes. I can here. I've learned to take vacation. I'm learning to like actually like live a life, uh, which I think France has helped me out with a lot. But I refuse to let go of like niceties. I refuse yeah. to let go of yeah. being warm and friendly. And, and I, I've learned how to adapt that to the French. Yeah. So it's not over the top. But you just but, have to, their niceties are different. This yes. is what we have to understand. You know, it's so important for them to have a bonjour when you come of in, course. which makes total sense, right? Come in and say hello. And for us, we put, we put the onus more on the person who's greeting us, like the server or the person yeah. in the shop. We're more used to them saying hello first. Yeah. But for them, it's like, no, you're coming into my establishment. So you come in and announce yourself with a hello. Like when you think about it, it makes, yeah, it makes sense. sense. Like in the beginning, you're a bit like, and if you don't say hello, you, I mean, you guys would all know this from listening to Jay, but if you don't say hello, it's so rude. Yeah. But then there's no need to continue on from that. There's no like, yeah. hi, how are you? Well, how's your day? Yeah. Um, I find now when I go to the States, because I feel like Australia is a bit in between mm. America and French in terms of like um, hospitality kind of thing. But when I go to this, if I go to the States now and I'm in a restaurant, I'm so confused by how friendly the server is. Like, you know, they'll sometimes sit down to take your order or, and they'll tell you a bit about their day. And I'm kind of like, I'm sorry, what? Are we friends? I'm confused. <laughs> like I forget. What is happening here? Yeah. I forget that like, that's really normal from where we're from. We're yeah. here. The, the actual training is, um, to be invisible. The, entra- the training of a waiter and a server, which they take quite seriously, is to be invisible, is to come in and like serve you and get out of the way yeah. and not interrupt your meal and not, you know, they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be a server, not, not like a pal. Yeah. And so it's just a different, I think when you think, it's like I always have tourists come and say, oh my God, the service here is so bad. Like we had to wait, we waited so long for our bill. And I'm like, did you ask for it? And they're like, no, but they didn't bring the check. Like we finished eating that. And I'm like, no, 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 because that's rude in France yeah. to bring you the check before you ask for it. That's kicking you out. That's yeah. so rude. And they're like, oh. Yeah. And so when they it's see kind of like it, you said, there's always a payoff if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, there's a payoff. And so you can sit all day in yeah. a cafe on one coffee. Nobody will ask you. To, there'll be a line of people outside and they will not ask you to leave. And so that's the, that's the kind of payoff where they're like, no, no, this is, you're in this space. I'm going to serve you, but I'm not doing... I don't know. And so I just, I do think before we rag on the French too much. Oh, exactly. Um, well, but that's what I was going to say too. Like the, there's, that's why I said like I, I, I adapt the niceties in a way yeah. where, cause I also am overwhelmed sometimes when I go to the States. I, I don't get the same level of reverse culture shock when I go back to the States as I used to. When I'd go back 
after living abroad for a while, I was always like, get out of my space. Yeah. Now I enjoy it more. Um, again, and I missed it. I missed that. So that I guess what's nice about it, for one, obviously the icebreaker of having a dog like warms warms so many bridges. That's a weird Hats? mixed metaphor, but yeah, warms so many hearts right out of the gate. I mean, he definitely makes that easier, and he's brought a level of like chattiness back to my life that was missing. I've met so many people in my neighborhood, so many people that I never would have met if it wasn't for him. But what I meant too is it's like, well, like I can still find a way to brighten this person's day. Like I can go through the bonjour, like I can do the very, the, the formal respectful opening, yeah. but I can find a way to make this person smile before I leave. Yeah. That's, it's not going to be the same as if it was an American um, by any means, but yeah, there's but it's something too easy, too easy to make Americans smile. Too easy to make Americans smile. <laughs> we work so hard on our <laughs> smiles. We want them to be shown off all the time. Um, so yeah. I remember a French person told me once, um, I think it was someone I'd gone on a date with or whatever, who said, you know, it's to a French, to the, to the French, sometimes it's like, <laughs> I can't remember how he phrased it. Not that you look stupid if you're smiling for no reason. Right. But almost. It's suspicious. Yeah. Almost yeah. like a sense of like, well, wait, why are you smiling? Or like, what is this about? Or, yeah. or have we, have I earned that smile? Or just that there can be sometimes this kind of, they're, they're a bit suspicious about if yeah. you're too cheerful or if, which again, like it sort of makes a bit of sense to me. Like they, they don't want to feel like this is just the face you're giving everyone, yeah. you know, they, they, there's a little element of like, mm-hmm. is this smile for me or I don't know. I kind of, I get it. Yeah. It makes sense. I think, I think once you kind of, like you said, with the understanding both sides of the equation, like the more that you get a view of each perspective the less it bothers you i think for me it doesn't it doesn't bother me anymore like the way the french uh parisians especially i think like we have to remember like the the french that that when you get out of paris people change dramatically um but you know in paris like when people treat me a particular way that i would take as rude i guess in another culture like here it is that thing where it's like well you know whatever and it, it has taught me to be also a little bit more like it's funny because you feel like you're not getting as much done, but in a way, if you walk in and you go through the ritual of bonjour and whatever else, you can get stuff done faster yeah. than if you're like, oh, how's your day? How's your day? Blah, blah, blah. And you talk yeah. for a long time. So it's kind of the irony is that once you turn that on its head, you realize, oh, no, if, once you know how to get through this, all of a sudden it's, it's, it's not as easy, obviously, because they do make things more complicated here than they need to be. Um, but it is easier. And that, that, again, the, the flip side of that complication a lot of times is they're either protecting someone's job or they're protecting some element of life. They think, I don't think it's always the case, but you know, like. I just to bring it back, this is, it's interesting because to bring it back around to the French citizenship yeah. conversation, I was preparing mine and you have to prepare a dossier, you know, and, but there's not super clear, instru- like they tell you what to put in it, mm-hmm. but there's not super clear instructions of exactly how to do it. And mm-hmm. should you be labeling things? Should it be in a folder in plastic? And everyone just wants to get it right. There's whole, you know, Facebook groups and yeah. chat rooms and stuff dedicated to like, how did you prepare it? And people will go, now this Prefecture, prefecture in Montpellier likes it done like this, but this one in, you know, so everyone has all these things. And I was like going, okay, I'm going to do like a cover letter yeah. and it's going to say yada, yada. And my French friends were like, nope, take out that. Nope, take it like the output in the absolute essential only. There's no, hey, I'm a little bit special or hey, I'm a bit charming yeah. or um, let me make myself try to stand up. There's none of that here. No, it's yeah. do you have the paperwork? Yeah. Is it in order? Yeah. 
does it tick the boxes the end yeah. like we don't want yeah. anything else and I, and it was just like oh of course like why yeah yeah that's why i'm doing the b1 for my french language certification because uh-huh. like i could do c1 yeah probably not c2 but i could probably pass c1 if you're not familiar the french the european language system starts at like a1 a2, B1, B2, C1, C2. As in proficiency. As in your level of yeah, proficiency in the language. And it's required a minimum of B1 to get your... I see. I heard they were going to change it to B2. Is it still B1? Uh, it's still B1 as far as I know. Okay. I hope they don't change it before I get my dossier in because then I have to schedule another test. But no, but you just do the... T- well, when I did it, yeah. I just did the test and then they give you your result. No, but this one, you sign up for the specific... Like that's, I would have preferred that. Uh, this one, you sign up for the specific level you're testing at. It's the same one that Matt did. That's and interesting. his whole argument that I think made sense and is exactly what you're saying is like, they're asking for B1, just give them B1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to prove anything. If you ace that B1, you look good. When you sit down for your interview, they'll see you're even better than that. Yeah. And then you have nothing to worry about. That's so interesting. Cause yeah, the one I did was like, there was a conversation mm-hmm. and then there was a computer kind mm-hmm. of test. And I guess you're just, they're testing a level and they're seeing and then you, you're yep. just going up. So I just got my over, you know, I got a speaking score, a writing score, a reading score. And it, I, would like I to wasn't do that going for, for something in particular. At the end of the day, this is the only test I ever need, you know. Because so, you're 100% higher than P1. Uh, yeah, I know. I've listened, I've listened to the, the, this, the practice stuff and I'm like, oh man, this is really easy. Like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I'm not worried about it in that. I uh, just in that sense but it goes to that because you're right like in the I, I don't know if Australians are like this but with American culture there's always extra credit you know yes exactly. and there's always a way of like if you show that you put an extra effort yeah if you shine Bring a little your bit resume pink. hey look how much more yeah exactly <laughs> and then you do like oh but I've also got because I was thinking about that I was like well I can show that I've got my driver's license I can show like all these things to show that I'm really integrated and it's like yeah. no they might ask you well, about those that interview, things are but, good yeah those things are good for the interview yeah. Thanks again for listening. Just a quick insert, and it will be quick this time because the intro was so long. Uh, But if you like this podcast, if you like what I make, if you enjoy what I do on YouTube and uh, elsewhere, then uh, the best way to subscribe, the best way to support my channel, my podcast, all this stuff that we're working on is at patreon.com slash jswanson. If you would become a member, you get access to these episodes right as they come live, along with a whole bunch of other perks. And then we're going to be revisiting that soon and bringing even more perks to bear, including hopefully some cool perks in the app. Uh, yeah, just a lot going on. So patreon.com slash Jay Swanson. Thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Jess Jekyll. And now right back to it. Good. Yeah, those things are good for the interview. Yeah. Definitely. And you could put them in that you could have a little appendix of a, yeah. of a couple of little photocopied things like that. Yeah. But they definitely don't want any like, here's my personal essay right. or like frou-frou stuff like that. Because I was thinking about doing that. So don't Sink. do it. <laughs> so we got to talk about this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and get mine in, in. My test is... Oh, is my test in November? It might be November 17th. So I, when I'm going to take my test, I'm going to try and get all my other paperwork done around that time so that I can turn it in by December. Yeah, yeah. But what was funny is this whole time I thought I, my, I thought that my visa, I had to renew it next year. Or not next year, like 2024. Mm. So I thought, oh man, like I got to get this all done. Because otherwise, if I don't get it done within a year, I'm going to have to up, whatever. Yeah. But my visa doesn't expire until 2025. Okay. So I'm under no pressure, okay. which is really nice. I'm still going to get it done. I'm going to get it done this, this winter. But then once it's in, I have all the time in the world. Yeah. If there are any hiccups or anything, I should be fine. Oh, it's one of those things where you're just like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do this. And you just whinge, whinge. And then once you do it, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad, actually. Exactly. And then mine ended up being really fast in the end. Actually. Yours was like eight months? Yeah. 
Yeah. Jeez, that's crazy. Possibly well, even shorter. I've think. heard like three or four people say it's been yeah. under a year. It took me two years to put the damn dossier right, together. Right, that's the thing. Because you, you get roadblocks because everything has to be within three months. Yeah. yeah? So you're you're getting a translation. Then you're also ordering a document. And then and everything yeah. has to kind of come in yeah. at once. And then as soon as you have it already, you have to print another BDP. Yeah. You have to get another updated bordereau de situation, all that sort of stuff. And it's so funny. You ask people who've already done it and they're like, oh yeah, you just do that. Like really, I will sit down with you if you want me to. I would love it. I just wanted someone to like just sit there and go, oh yeah, this is this, this is it. Because it, it would just make it so much faster because every piece of information you're like going, okay, now what is that? Yeah. I'll right. take you up on that. I'll totally take you up on yeah. that. Because I, I think I wanted to just slog through it, but that's what's keeping me from doing it. But I, the main thing that was keeping me from doing it was this language test. Because I kept trying to find one that was sooner. Yeah. And they were always two months out at least. Yeah. And then in the end, I was finally like, what am I doing? Like, this is me procrastinating. Yeah. Just Let's just, just book it. it. I did so... one um, during COVID. So it was strange because we had oh, yeah. masks on and we were sitting quite far apart. I think actually for the speaking, they let us take the mask off. But it was like a long room, you know, and you sort of, it was a bit strange. And then, and oh, the biggest thing that upset me was you had to do a writing thing. On the Azerty keyboard. And it's the wrong keyboard and you have a time limit and I couldn't tell how to do the accents. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. See, I need to either, I need to practice that to be sure ahead of time, but I'm, I think the one I'm doing, that's all on paper. Oh, okay. okay. It's like multiple choice okay. and then handwritten. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. So if that's the case, then I'm fine. Yeah. But I do need to, because it's been years since I've used an Azerty keyboard. And if you're not familiar with that, QWERTY keyboard is what we call, because the, at the top row of the letters is Q-W-E-R-T-Y, right? But the French, it's A-Z-E-R-T-Y. So you just call it an Azerty instead of a QWERTY. I can't use them. And the way they do punctuation, the way they do everything is just a little bit different. And to, to do the accents, it's like a special combination of things. Yeah. And also some keyboards are different for that anyway. And I actually had to ask the examiner, excuse me, I don't know how to do it. So I wrote my whole thing and then I was like, I don't know how to do the accents. Yeah. And then he didn't know how to do it. So I had to submit my writing without uh, accents, well, which it was fine. I still, yeah, it was fine. still more than, I can't remember what I got for a writing. Did you get like C2? No, C2 is native. I was just curious. <laughs> no, got I got C1, C1 for yeah. speaking. I think I got B2 for writing probably because there were zero accents. Yeah. I don't know what I'd get. I know I get. Oh, you 100% get C1. C1 for speaking and listening yeah. for sure. For writing, I might be close. The real, the way they really judge you on the C1 is if you understand everything they say to you, which you will, yeah. and then if you respond with fluence, it doesn't matter if you make mistakes. C1 is like... Oh, yeah, then I'd be, I'd be golden. Yeah, C1 is, I understood everything, and now I'm just chatting to you. And blah, yeah. If you drop a couple of errors in there, one of my friends did not learn um, French. She learned French completely through speaking it. She never really studied it, doesn't really write it. And so a lot of the time, her verbs, she's just putting the verb in. She's not conjugating it. <laughs> but she speaks so fluently. Yeah. She She's not scared at all to just speak and she got c1 i kind of wish like, i'd done this now yeah yeah maybe i could still do that and i could submit it later if i need it but the uh well it's funny because like, I, I was just thinking about that yesterday like i'm not stressed by phone calls anymore for example yeah. i haven't been for a long time and yesterday i was on the i was on the phone with my accountant for like 20 minutes mm -hmm. talking about all kinds of unfortunate tax related things and then I had a call with Free, the pro, whatever, to get yeah. like oh, my... Oh, this is how you really so, practice And I was like, it, I'm, no problems at yeah. all whatsoever. I apologize. I still apologize. It also is really nice. It's, see, the thing is, I'm always going to keep my accent. Mm -hmm. And I'm always going to apologize for my French. Because yeah. those two things just like break down so many barriers so quickly. And, um, and, but, you know, at the end of the day, like I understand everything except whatever technical stuff gets yeah. thrown my way, which is normal. That's yeah. just speaking any language. And then, um, yeah, I kind of wish I'd done that just for the heck of it. But if I get, I'll just get the B1 done. I'm going to look then... up the place I did it because I yeah, don't remember okay. having to wait. 
Okay, look it up, because if we can do it sooner, yeah, then I would. Because yeah, yeah. i got to do the FBI fingerprints. Uh, there's only one lady in France that doesn't. I already missed one opportunity to do that with her. That's just fine, because this is taking longer. But I think if I schedule everything in November, yeah. then by I December I should be able to get it done. Great translator. Great. Great. But let's, yeah. No, no, let's do it. I'm, I've got, I have multiple re- references, but yeah, yeah. I just want to get it done. She's fast and great. And Perfect. Okay. So I think I'll book everything for November. Because the thing is, if you didn't catch that, what she said, too... You have to get everything done within three months. All your documents can only be done within three months, which is the most infuriating element of French bureaucracy. They'll be like, no, this birth certificate's older than three months. And you'll be like, my birth certificate doesn't change. I was born here at this time to these people. That's yeah, just locked so in the stone. French get, you can order a new birth certificate. Every time you do something You here, order a new one. It's so... It gets listed on your birth certificate. So you, when you get married, it goes on your birth certificate and you have to order a new one all the time. So yeah. we don't have that. But I think now they've gotten used to it. So I used my original birth certificate. Oh, that from, was it. You know, the year I was born. Yeah. It's the original piece of paper. I use that. Thing is, I do not have it back. That's what... So I'm, I'm, I have a, a copy of that that hopefully just passes. Because when I got my visa before... It's funny, when I got my visa too, the first time I got it, I literally... I didn't realize how serious... They were about like getting it translated. So I just translated it myself. I photoshopped it. I printed it out. So back to front, it looked real. And then I had a version where I photoshopped the translation onto it. And I gave that to them. And they were like, what is this? Yeah. And I was like, it's a translation. And they're like, I, uh, okay. And then they just really? accepted yeah, it. Yeah, because you don't know who. And I've, I had some documents that I submitted that I didn't translate. And I didn't know if it was going to be a big deal or not. Actually, my dossier got sent back. And I think I ended up going... Uh, I don't really know 100% why I'm just going to read. And I yeah. did. Re- but it's so stupid. Like, you're translating. I had to translate my parents' birth certificate. And it literally says, like, you know. Yeah, it's the easiest thing to translate. It's so obvious. Yeah. I mean, I get it. What are these dates? Yeah. But, but whatever. You just go through it. I think that's all, honestly the, the citizenship process, too, is a lot of it is just your final test. Like, if you can't yeah. survive yeah. French yeah. bureaucracy, yeah. Yeah. you can't survive yeah. France. Also, we're lucky. Like, it's not expensive. You know, no. it costs no, Like, 800 bucks in the end to get it? Oh, I think I spent less than that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because it costs me, nothing to apply for it or anything, but yeah. it's just, it's 50 euros a page for a right. translation or 30 euros a page for a translation and depending on what kinds of things you need to order, but you're not paying for the actual, you pay like 55 euros for the time fiscal. That's yeah. it. So I, I know people have tried to get Australian citizenships and we're talking in the thousands oh, of yeah. dollars. U.S. citizenship, I'm sure is, so, and U.S. citizenship I know is much more of a nightmare to go through. So it is that thing where it's like, we're really lucky to go this way. And it's funny to me when people say like, oh, like people will tell me like, oh, I thought about getting it, but then I found out it was going to cost me like 500 bucks. Yeah. Why would I do that? And it's like, why wouldn't you do That's that? So $500 or euros for, well, now it's less than $500, like $490 for a, yeah. talking about exchange rates blowing my mind right now, but like yeah. for European citizenship, how is that not worth I it? Know. <laughs> what are you and thinking? people are paying, because you know, uh, one of my friends who can't go the normal route, apparently you can essentially buy a Portuguese passport. <laughs> there's a lot. The Portuguese side. <laughs> there's also, like, there's a couple others too that like, they're definitely getting a lot of flack there's for There's ways to kind of, yeah. you know, and so, but that's thousands and thousands. Yep. That's not, you know, but that's because they can't go through the normal route. So that's why I'm saying like, no, of course, lucky. if you can really get lucky. it. You... Well, the fact that I've even been able to get the, vi- the visa I got, I was really lucky and I mean, obviously, I think I'm less lucky to keep it because I deserve it more than when I got it. But like the fact that I have it and it gives me an eight year span to get this, yeah. which is more than enough time. I don't know. I just I feel very, very fortunate. And it's something I've always wanted. And so to go for it, whenever anybody's like, well, why would I want that? I'm like, why? why wouldn't but you've also it? talked about I remember you talking about how you would be interested in 
maybe moving to Germany for a couple of years. Or sure. Maybe, I don't know how you're feeling. Germany less. Right, but well, yeah. yeah, because I want to get my languages back. So Germany to get my to my German back. But I would like to, I would. I feel like especially for making videos and so forth, it would be so much, it would be so interesting. I think Paris will always be home, but it would be so interesting to like be able to just be like, I'm going to Italy for six months. Yeah. I'm going to go learn Italian. I'm going to share that experience. And, you know, Cooper's going to get to eat like linguine every day. And so like whatever it is, like, or if I need to get a break from the bureaucracy here, okay, I'm going to go to a Nordic country for a year yeah. or six months again. Yeah. That fact that you don't, you're not limited to like a three month visa yeah. that I can legally just move in. Yeah. I can work there. There's no problem. Yeah. Like it's so amazing. I would love to spend more time. I'm, I plan on spending more time in London. Um, doesn't help there, but I think actually having French citizenship probably makes getting a visa in the UK easier than being an American. So if I ever, I don't know, it just opens so many doors and where it's like, for now, I have no plans to leave Paris. You just never know where you're going to be in five years. I mean, I love the idea of having a base. I'm, I'm so jealous of the flexibility that you have mm. with your lifestyle, you know, and like being able to take your work with you wherever yeah. you go. Like I would love to. And I, there's obviously other challenges and, and I don't know how, I'm not sure how great I would be at like motivating myself to, you know. But I think I don't think you're motivated. You're very self-motivated. I think where you would struggle is the risk. Yes. I think you you're it's a it's a really big risk to go out on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would be nervous about that. Yeah. You could um, do it. I believe in you and I know you could do it, but it's a matter of whether or not you would like yeah. be willing to take a jump at some point. Yeah, and I don't have a clear if I had some sort of clear vision or dream or mm -hmm. something, I, I'm so jealous of people who are like you know, oh, I want to open a winery. I'm like, oh, how awesome. And then I'll be like, here's all, well, let's figure it out together, all the steps that you need to get to opening the Like, I'm like, okay, I'll, let me help you do yeah. your dream. And then, but it's not like, it's like, if I thought, oh, I just, I, if only I could, you know, in all the movies, they've all got their dream. And that could they, be a job though. You yes. know, like helping other people realize their dreams, that is a job. Yeah. You could coach, you could be, uh, what is it? What is it? There's an actual term for that when you're like, um, a paid go-between but like yeah. when you have all the contacts and you like know how to get people through systems faster yeah there's there's I, I enjoy that listen if anyone wants to offer me some sort of lucrative <laughs> position i might put to it but if you i mean that that's there's a real chance for like you know freelancing and getting your independence that way too yeah i mean i yeah i love my job and i love working here and i love the people i work with i think that's where i'm very jealous of you because you work you have such freedom with your work and you work for yourself, mm -hmm. but you also get to, and remotely, mm -hmm. but you also get to really communicate with people and mm -hmm. spend time with people, which so many remote jobs are sitting behind a computer. Yeah. Like they sound great, but half the time it's like, oh, where am I going to work from today? And, and okay. you know, how do I motivate myself to sit at this computer all day and not have human interaction? And, you know, you might, I know people who are traveling all over the place all the time. They're not doing anything. Yeah. They're sitting in like internet cafes yeah. and they're still working and, you know, yeah. they're not necessarily, it might look quite glamorous, but they're away from their friends and they're not necessarily able mm. to like get out and see stuff. Whereas I just, you have so much flexibility and it's really true. Well, this something. is, I think that's, that's where like I'm at with this now though. I've known that I have arguably one of the best, if not the best job in the world, you know? Yeah. But I haven't fully appreciated it. And a lot of that came from, I couldn't leave my survivor mentality behind like my poverty mentality, like I just, the stress of it, all the pressure I was putting on myself to show up, to perform. Like I had a lot of like mental shit to get through mm -hmm. and leave behind that I feel like I finally am. 
And that's why I'm so excited right now. I'm coming back to it. I've been getting coaching, which has been really good. And that just came as a gift um, from the universe uh, through the short-lived Patreon ambassador program. But so grateful to have met Yoda. My, the coach's name is Yoda with a T, Yota, but uh, Panda Yota, I believe, is her full name. But I love it. I know, Master Yoda. Um, so Master Yoda has been very, very helpful. She gave me a pep talk this morning even. I don't know. I just like I'm finally at this place where I'm like, I finally have realized like, I can't, let's just, one of the things that we talked about that she actually was really helpful with, she talked, that I, I, I labeled uh, aspirational limitations, which is that idea that like by having aspirations and expectations for ourselves, like even high expectations, we actually inherently put limitations on ourselves. Hmm. where it's like, oh, I want to be the best this or the best that, whatever. And it's like, for one, do you even know what that looks like? For two, why are you setting a ceiling? You've just set a ceiling for yourself. You don't even under, you can't really fully define and you may be able to depass, depass, that's French, you may even be able to get past um, if you just left it open to whatever it is for today. Yeah. And so, so many of the, maybe I had big aspirations and big goals and whatever, and I still have big dreams and goals and projects, whatever, but just letting go of it and just saying, okay, I'm just going to show up today and, and do what I'm excited about, do what's fun, yeah. lean into it and make something. It's, I don't have the right words for it exactly yet, but I just kind of realized like somehow even 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 a big cage we create for ourselves is a cage. And so instead, let's, let's just forget about all that. Forget about like all of the arbitrary stuff I've put on myself before and just lean into it. And, and how cool to finally come to a place to realize like, oh wait, I can get paid to do what I'm interested in, yeah. what I want to do today. What, and there are things that like I've known, but like, I always had this weight on that where I was like, well, yeah, but, and then there was always some like obligation or something that came behind that, mm -hmm. that like robbed it of the joy and then would rob it of energy and everything else. And some of that's real physical, like burning out, especially right before the pandemic was very real. And then going through the pandemic and everything else definitely was exhausting. And that's, that's not that that didn't happen, but a lot of it's also just internal and just yeah. letting go of the things that I'm holding on to, ultimately what they are, are fears of so many things that like either ma mask, uh, mask themselves as ways of protecting myself or mask themselves as somehow legitimate when it's like, I can just let this stuff go. Yeah. But do you feel like, I wonder about this because when you're filming your life, mm -hmm. um, does it, do you feel like, does it make it sometimes feel like you're, not participating in it or does it make you hyper aware of your participation does that make sense yeah i think it makes perfect sense i think when i was really deep in the daily vlogging it was both and mm -hmm. where i mean my whole life oriented itself around my filming schedule i got up i filmed I did whatever I had to do, but I had to think about it through filming and then I ended the day editing yeah. and then started Well, whatever. I remember when we first met yeah. and the first, I reckon first five times I saw you, because yeah. if people don't know, Jay and I essentially met in like a bar yep. or like... The old alliance. Yeah. yeah. With like, we would, you know... That was both, my booziest both, summer. Yeah. Both end up there sometimes. And it would, or I would always be arriving, finishing work and uh, you would be like, okay, well, I got to go home and edit. And I remember being like, well, I didn't know you at all. But I was yeah. like, what are you talking about? You have to go home and edit. Yeah. And and I would, I was like, I remember saying to you, like, I didn't know you at all. And I was like, but, but if you, but then what, 
but then you're not having other things to like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you could, so you were only able to have a part of the day yeah. because you had to go and like relive that part of the day yeah. and then not experience something else. And then since I've known you, which is now how many years? Maybe for probably five years now. Several, maybe a bit more. Five years. Yeah. Um, I see now, like, I think you do such a good job now Thank of you. being somewhat like, You'll pull out the camera a bit, but you don't. This camera's not there the whole time. If you're vlogging, for example, no. if you're in that space, you'll pull it out a bit, but it's not there the whole time. Um, you'll do, like, you know now, like, the key shots, and they're always very genuine. It's not, there's not like a, like, I feel like we can hang out mm. and, you know, if we, we've done things where we've spent a day in, like, champagne, champagne together, or we've, even if we just go for lunch, I don't feel like, oh, I'm hanging out with Jay and we're vlogging and it's not a real thing. It's like, oh, there's a few shots and then we just go into yeah. whatever. So I think you've really, I didn't see exactly what your day was like mm. earlier, but I think you've really come a really long way there. And I, I think compared to other things I see where they, it feels quite manufactured, mm. I, it doesn't, I don't. So that's why I'm kind of like wondering I think I miss actually, that's one of the reasons I'm excited to get back to vlogging more regularly is that like it does actually heighten my awareness. Yeah. And now that I know how to compartmentalize a little bit like, oh, these are the things I need to say to get the story to yeah. move. And this is how I'm going to do that. I can kind of check that off and be done. And what was really stressful about daily vlogging that kept me from fully engaging a lot of times with the people around me was that you had to keep for one, you had to keep a narrative going throughout the whole day, but you also didn't really know what you were getting out of that day until you'd gotten it. Yeah. And so you could never just switch off and be like, oh, I have enough and I'll get more later. Yeah. And you're just always running behind something you can't fully see. And so now like the, what has me excited is like I, I'm moving into this next phase is going to be like, okay, I have interesting things in my life that would make good footage. Let me do those on days where I'm going to film. And then I have days where I just stay home and sit on my computer all day to get other work done. And I just won't worry about filming yeah, that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And it's no longer, oh, I have a boring computer day. What do I do to make this day yeah. interesting? Yeah. Um, and it, I, think it'll just, I think it'll just make it all And also better. as you evolve, you've got longer forms. So like there's a longer thread, yeah. maybe. Well, and the thing is, I think too, it's going to be fun. I'm going to go back to shorter videos. I think I'm going to try, just try to do like 11 minute videos yeah. for these. Yeah. I'll still have Paris in my pocket. Um, which will be a little bit more produced and like directly targeted towards like tourists that are coming to Paris. Yeah. Um, but I really miss, and this is what the, this podcast is supposed to be and will continue to be, but then what I've missed so much from vlogging, especially daily, was the ongoing conversation yeah. and the ability to talk to my audience every day, share everything that's going on, have enough space to talk about all the things that I'm yeah. doing, dreaming of, whatever else. And maintain a dialogue between myself and the, the amorphous blob, as we've always called it. Um, because without like the regularity there, and also just my health just went off a cliff, and, and mental health especially, and everything, just like I couldn't really do it anymore. Um, and now I'm excited to get back into it because I can. And so it's like, okay, how do I lean into my strengths? How do I lean into the things that like I'm excited about, that like I used to be good at, that I can be even better at, but then let's just get rid of all of the negative energy that yeah. did kind of surround it for a while. I do think this is thing. This is something that's coming up so often, and that I, it, people are not talking about enough, or they're just starting to talk about. But how 
I think you feel like this too, when you come into your thirties, like we, I think we're always expecting to struggle more when we're younger. Mm. And then we're expecting to have things a little more, where there's so many things I'm realizing about myself in my thirties that before I was just like trucking along and like, I might've been having the reactions or emotions, but I wasn't quite aware of what might've been causing them mm. or, or I didn't believe something was causing them yeah. or, you know, so just that, I mean, the conversation has really opened up around mental health, I think. I oh, mean, wow. we just wouldn't really be talking about it so much before and just the little things that help, but also just you have to do it consistently to realize the difference, you know, like the whole, oh, well, if you get up at this time and you do these things or you do some exercise, you'll feel this way. And you start realizing as you get older, oh no, you can't just like do that sometimes or you, you know, you can't go, oh no, it's okay. I'm just going to work really hard now and I'll rest later. It's like, oh yeah. no, you probably just have to figure out what works for you now. Yeah. And then rather than just, I'll fix it later. It's been a big one for me actually. Cause after the, I had a crash after the swimmers video, cause I just worked endlessly on it for like nine days. Yeah. And one of the lies that I've believed for a really long time is that I can get ahead of my work. Mm-hmm. If I just get these things done, then I can rest. Mm-hmm. And I believed that for decades. And the reality is that'll never come. Like there's always more. And so you have to take the rest when you need it yeah. or when you want it. Yeah. You have to add leisure to your life. It's something that our society has crushed in so many ways. And you have to find a way to take good care of yourself now. And then the work will always be there, you know. But these are things that I've had to learn. And now that I'm applying, man, that's, I mean, that's why I'm like in this place now where it's like, I am just so excited. And I've, I guess what I was really scared of, I got a good pep talk from Richard and what I, what I need to do, I'll send this to you or ask you, um, on the side or we can even do this now, but like, is the, my, one of my homework assignments for coaching was to go to people who know me well, who've worked with me in the past or who are friends or family and just ask them. Like, what is a strength that I have, a unique strength that I have, and how have you seen it applied in a way that impacted your life Mm. Um, as a way of getting a good critical assessment that's not a negative critical assessment, but a positive one? Yeah. And the thing that Richard brought up was my, uh, and then to see if there are any threads, so I'm going to ruin this for you maybe, but Richard, you know, was like, well, how prolific I am in writing and production of everything. He's like, not only can you make a lot of stuff, but it's good when it comes out. Um... And not that it doesn't need work, but that is, you know, and it was a really good little pep talk, but also that thing of like, that has actually been one of my biggest fears that I'll never get back to how prolific I can be Uh, yeah. because of the energy that's been drained and the burnout and like, you know, raising a puppy has taken a lot. Um, He's twitching because he's in a deep sleep right now. And, um, and now this last like week or two to be like feeling it again and like, okay, let's see how far this goes. Like, let's not push it to the limit. I don't want to burn out, but is there a good, is there a good part on the meter where I can just keep the, keep the dial right below red and just like really actually get back to that? Cause I miss it. Yeah. And it's exciting because I feel like I'm, I'm there and we'll, I will be cautious and and I will always be cautious from here on out. I, I will watch for the signs of burning out, but I'm actually very, very excited for what comes next. So great. I'm happy to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot over the years about, um, you know, where to go next or how to get motivated, how to get excited. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's fun to see. I'm happy to be there. Yeah. That's a good place to wrap it up, probably. Thanks for jumping in. Thank you. Jess is not a public personality, so she is not someone to follow. But 
Uh, <laughs> we'll work on it. We need to work on um, going. I do need to make a video with Fat Tire at some point. We'd be happy to have you. I know. We keep talking about it, not doing it. We were going to do it this summer. We never did. So yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Time. So there'll be, because for everybody that goes on a Fat Tire tour because of me, despite the fact that I've never made a Fat Tire I tour know, video, there's somebody else that I met recently who was like, oh yeah, I did Fat Tire because of you. And I was yeah. like, what do you mean because of me? I have quite a few people sometimes. Like I had one just a couple of days ago, actually, and I was helping some people with some bikes out. And this guy comes up, he's going on the tour and he stands next to me and he goes, my wife and I watched your videos last night and I was like oh don't tell my mum but <laughs> you know what I mean it just yeah. sounded like such a strange thing to say I knew immediately what he was talking about because it yeah. happens to me quite often I get are you are you Jay's Jess and I'm like oh, I'm not sure if I would describe myself as that <laughs> but they often people go I've seen your videos and I'm like okay one I don't make videos and two uh, don't say it out loud please um, so yeah, it's pretty funny. So I appreciate the um, extra, what, what do you call it? Like, Not much of recognition. Well, more just the, um, the uh, business that you send our way. You're so welcome. <laughs> You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I gotta get, I gotta get in your system. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, thank you so much. Just Thanks, this was fun. It's my first podcast. Really? It's the first time you've ever been on a yeah, podcast? Yeah, it'll probably be the last because, as you say, not a public person. Oh, whatever. <laughs> You'll do more.